gather together with his people, and there's not a better place that you could be than God's house. And what a wonderful privilege and a blessing it is that you're here. Matthew chapter number 3 this morning for class, and we'll begin reading at verse number 1, and then we'll conclude our reading in verse number 10, and I'll be taking my thoughts out of 7, 8, and 9 of chapter number 3 of the Gospel of Matthew. Let us begin reading at verse 1. In those days came John the Baptist, preaching in the wilderness of Judea, and saying, Repent ye, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For this is he that was spoken of by the prophet, he saith, saying, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare ye the way of the Lord, make his path straight. And the same John had his raiment of camel's hair and a leathern girdle about his loins, and his meat was locusts and wild honey. Then went out unto him, then went out to him Jerusalem and all the Judea and the region round about Jordan, and were baptized of him in Jordan, confessing their sins. Verse number 7, But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees come to his baptism, he said unto them, O generation of vipers, who hath warned you to flee from the wrath to come, bring forth therefore fruits meet for repentance, and think not to say within yourselves, We have Abraham to our father. For I say unto you that God is able of these stones to raise up children unto Abraham. And I'll conclude my reading at verse 10. And now also the axe is laid unto the root of the trees. Therefore every tree which bringeth not forth good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. And I'll conclude my reading right there. I know typically you don't do that in classes, but I want to pray and ask God to help us this morning to prepare our hearts to receive the word that he may do so. Let's pray. Our Father, we do thank you for the wonderful day, your love and your care for us. What a blessing it is and the honor and the privilege we have to be here this morning. We pray that you would help us in our lives, that the ground would be broken up in the hearts of men, that they might receive the truths of your holy word. Forgive us now, we do pray, for our many sins. Help us to be faithful unto you, that your son might be exalted. In thy holy name we do pray. Amen. Whenever I look at John the Baptist and you look at his life in the early ministry, in the life of John the Baptist, the ministry of John the Baptist was to point people to Jesus Christ as the forerunner he was sent to prepare the way of the Lord. And as the forerunner, he was, his responsibility was to point men to the Lamb of God as he comes in his earthly ministry. In this time in Israel's history, this is a brand new thing that has taken place. Never a man came on the scene like John the Baptist. And we see that here in verse 2, he comes immediately preaching, saying, Repent. Now, as I said a minute ago, the ministry of John the Baptist was to point people to Jesus Christ. And as Jesus came before he was baptized of John in the river Jordan, Jesus comes and John says, Behold the Lamb of God which taketh away the sin of the world. Behold, he's telling the people that are among him in, his, in their presence, he's saying, Look, this is the Lamb of God. 
Behold the man, for this is the for this is he of whom I spake, of whose shoe latchet I am not worthy to stoop down and unloose. This is him, and he is the Lamb of God. The ministry of John was to point people to the Lamb of God. I want to tell the people that are here today that the ministry of this church, this local body, is that of the same of John the Baptist, and that is to point people unto the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the one that you need to see here this morning. He is the one that you need to receive from, and he is able to do all things exceedingly abundantly above all that we can ask or think. And so John the Baptist was to point people to Jesus, and that's what we do here today. And what a wonderful privilege it is that you're in a place here this morning where you could be pointed unto the Lord Jesus Christ. Hebrews says, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame, and he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God on high. And he did that for you and me. The way of salvation and your your place in heaven has already been paid for. And so by faith... As, as you reach out to Jesus for the sacrificial payment that he's already done for you on your behalf. And by faith, you take God at his word. Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. And so by faith, believe the messages that shall be declared unto you today. Now there are two types of people represented here in our text, okay? There are two types. There are those that... In here in John's day, they, they, there are those that received the message, right? There are those that received it, and James does say that you can receive it, right? He says, receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save your soul. You, you receive it by faith. But there is also, as I said before, two groups of people represented here in our text, and there are those that did not receive it. They did not receive They rejected it. They rejected it because John did not fit their their normal mold. John John the Baptist was not like the Pharisees. He did not fit their religious mold. And so therefore they rejected his message. And so John, when you you see this, when you see John address these people, we'll get down to it here in a minute and we'll we'll make a few statements. And I want to make application by way of everybody in this room. No one in this room is exempt from the application that I'm fixing to make. Okay? All right, so you see John, and he's addressing the Pharisees. And Jesus said, among those that are born of woman, there hath not risen a greater prophet than John the Baptist. Okay, so John comes, and here he is during the time of his ministry. And the publicans justified God being baptized with John's baptism, but the Pharisees and the lawyers, they rejected the counsel of God that was given them, being not baptized of John. So they made a conscious effort to willfully reject revealed truth that God had revealed to them. So this morning, you don't have to do that. You, you, you don't have to be in a place where you willfully reject God's Word. You can be in a place this morning where you receive it with meekness. And that's okay to receive the Word with meekness. So I'm thinking about John here, and I want you to look in verse number 7. But when he saw many of the Pharisees, my text verse, and it's going to be in 7, 8, and 9, but when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees come to his baptism, he said unto them, O generation of vipers, who hath warned you? Now the Pharisees were self-righteous. They were, they were blind leaders of the blind. They were doing their works to be seen of men. They were covetous, and they corrupted the truths of God's Word in an attempt to keep their own traditions. Now, Jesus, John the Baptist confronted false religion, 
And he was confrontational to it. He, was, he, he addressed it. He, he didn't let it slide by. You know, if you go over there and read in Luke's gospel, the Pharisees, which were the religious leaders of that day, they also came with the people and they wanted to be baptized as well. The religious leaders of that day, they wanted to be baptized. But then John looked at them and then he addressed them and he said, Who hath warned you? And so John the Baptist confronted false religion. And those Pharisees, Jesus also confronted false religion as well. In, in Mark, his gospel, chapter number 7, Jesus comes and there's, a, there's a, uh, an, uh, a happening between him and the Pharisees where he doesn't wash his hands before he eats. And Jesus doesn't wash his hands before he eats. And then the people, the Pharisees marveled that he didn't wash before he ate bread. And they, they, that, that, was, that was irregular to them because, because they had taught for doctrines the commandment. They had taught for doc, the doctrines of God the commandments of men. And so these people are, 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 uh, are taken back that Jesus is not washing his hands before he eats bread. And when Jesus, he, he didn't do that. And then the Pharisees said, why do you not do after the tradition of the elders? Why, why are you not doing what we're doing? And Jesus said, why do you transgress the commandment of God and you try to keep your traditions? And so Jesus addressed the religious leaders of his day, also as did John. Both of them confronted false religion. And Jesus said that you you go about to keep the commandments of men and you you make void the, the, the things of the law. You're teaching for doctrine the commandments of men. And so John the Baptist confronted false religion. But in Mark chapter number 7, verse number 9, I'll just read it, what Jesus said. He said, full well, you reject the commandment of God that you may keep your own tradition. And so they addressed false religion in their day. And in our society, and in our day, and in our time, and in our churches, that's what you and I got to do today, is, a, is address the perverted doctrine of false gospels today. Because that's what John, John was confrontational to the false ideologies of that day. And if you're going to be effective in ministering to people, if you're going to minister to somebody, you're obligated to tell them the truth. The person that you're looking at has an obligation to tell you the truth this morning. It doesn't matter how you feel about it. He he is responsible to tell you the truth. You you can get upset or you can get offended. but, But the person that stands before you that you look at at this very moment is obligated to tell you the truth. And I want to make that very clear because that's what John the Baptist did. That's what Jesus did. That's what Peter did. That's what the people of the New Testament did. And so after that, you see that he says, Oh, generation of vipers. But I think about Paul, and I think about Paul in his day, whenever the Pharisees were corrupting the truths of God's Word, trying to integrate works for salvation. In Acts chapter number 15, they were talking about, Except you be circumcised after the manner of Moses, you cannot be saved. And so they were saying, you can have Christ too, but in order for salvation, an individual has to, has to be circumcised as well, which Paul addressed that in the book of Galatians. He said, because a false brethren came in unaware, who came in privily to spy out our liberty, in which we have in Christ Jesus, that they might bring us into bondage, by whom we gave place by subjection, no, not for an hour, that the truth of the gospel might continue with you. And so Paul said, the Pharisees that were coming in those churches, he said, we got to put an end to the propagation of the false gospel. And we didn't even give him a second to stand up in the church and to, and to say that. He said, to whom we gave place by subjection, no, not for an hour. That the truth of the gospel might continue with you. And we're here this morning because the truth of the gospel 
has been propagated since the beginning of Christ's earthly ministry, and he has, he has allowed us to be here, as Thessalonians says, that God has entrusted us with the truth of this gospel. And what a blessing that is. But John said also, not only that, but back in our text, we look at, he says, O generation of vipers, but who hath warned you? Now he's, he's sounding a warning here, and he's saying, who hath warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Now wrath is, is God's righteous anger and uh, vehement exasperation and holy indignation towards sin. Uh, it's God's, God's anger and wrath towards sin. And the individual that, that stands before you at this moment declaring unto you this message warns you like John did in that day to flee from the impending judgment and wrath that is upon you. None of us are exempt from it. You're not exempt from it. I'm not exempt from it. You're not exempt. We're all, none of us are exempt from it, right? We all, we, we're, we're all going to face this thing inevitably called death. And so John is saying, I'm warning you to flee from the wrath to come. John chapter number 3, 36 says, He that believeth the Son of God hath everlasting life. He that believeth not the Son of God shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. The wrath of a righteous God abides on those that know not our Lord. Jesus came, and whenever He came and addressed Nicodemus, He said, For God sent not His Son into the world to condemn the world. Right? God didn't send His Son in the world to condemn you. But He sent His Son in the world not to condemn you, but that the world through Him might be saved. But then he goes and he says the same thing. He preached the same thing that John did. He that believeth on the Son of God hath everlasting life. Okay? But he said that the condemnation was to those... He said, he that believeth on him is not condemned. But he that believeth not is condemned already because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Now, and this is the condemnation, okay? That light is coming to the world and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. And Jesus addressed Nicodemus there and Nicodemus tried to uh, align with him or tried to uh, uh, get him beside him and try to equally yoke himself with Jesus. But he said, you, you need to be born again. This is the first thing. And Nicodemus should have known better because he was a student of the law. He was a student of the prophets. Nicodemus should have known better. And so he says, who hath warned you? But in verse number 8, after he, he sends the warning, he says, O generation of vipers, who hath warned you to flee from wrath to come? But in verse number 8, he says, bring therefore fruits, meat for repentance. So he didn't just, he didn't just confront false religion, but after he, he, he confronted them, but he commanded them to do something about it. He, he commanded the fruits of repentance. He commanded the fruits of repentance. He said, bring forth fruits, meat for repentance. So he wanted there to be evidence of change in people's lives before he baptized them. Uh, an individual's testimony is measured by their fruit, right? It, it doesn't matter what, what we say with our lips. It doesn't matter what, what comes out of here, Do, we all understand that. It doesn't matter what I say right here. If I say that I love my wife, but I'm not faithful to her, then what I say, it doesn't matter. And Jesus said, why call you me Lord, Lord, but do not the things which I say. Titus said, Titus said that they profess that they know God, but in works they deny Him. And so I can say Lord, Lord, but He said... Just because you say, Lord, Lord, it doesn't mean that you're going to enter into the kingdom of heaven. John the Baptist commanded them, and if he was going to baptize them, to bring forth fruits 
meet for repentance. But back to that thought, an individual's testimony is measured by their fruit. Now in Matthew 7, Jesus begins to classify the fruits of a false prophet. But, but it doesn't do damage to make application by way of all people. He says, You shall know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes of thorns or figs of thistles? Even so, every tree, every good tree bringeth forth good fruit. Neither doth a corrupt tree bringeth forth good fruit. And so he says that a good tree brings forth good fruit. A, bad, a corrupt tree cannot bring forth good fruit, but, but a good tree brings forth good fruit. And Jesus says that, and John the Baptist commanded there to be fruits of repentance and evidence of change in people's lives before he baptized them. Okay? And now, fruit, a good tree bearing good fruit is the evidence of the incorruptible seed at work in the life of the individual. Peter said, being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. And so evidence of the incorruptible seed working in you is a manifestation of fruit on the tree. A good tree brings forth good fruit, but a corrupt tree brings forth corrupt fruit. And I think about, for, I'll just use this by way of an example. I've got a big old cottonwood tree in my front yard. Okay, I'm just going to bring it in practically. A cottonwood tree is a, is a corrupt tree. Uh, the stuff that comes off of a cottonwood tree, it does nothing but it messes your yard up, it gets in your air conditioner. I mean, it just it, a cottonwood tree is, a, is, is not, it, it's, it's a corrupt tree. It does nothing but make you have to clean up after it. But when, if, you take that, if you take that tree and you plant that tree in the ground, uh, a, a cottonwood tree is not going to produce apples. You see what I'm saying? Because it's a corrupt tree and God didn't intend for it to create apples. And so what I'm saying is a Christian, if you do not have the incorruptible seed down deep within the inside of you, then you do not have the capability within yourself to produce good fruit. Do we all understand that? Right? And, 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 and what I'm saying is, is John addressed these things, but the wonderful thing about it is, is he's telling everybody the truth. Right? Wouldn't you prefer somebody to tell you the truth than to stand up there and just to tell you something that wasn't true? I mean, someone to stand and say, hey, this is the truth and this is what I'm saying. And what a wonderful blessing that is that John did that to those people in this day. But the fruit of the Spirit is an evidence of that incorruptible tree. In Galatians chapter number 5, 22 and 23, Paul says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, Gentleness, meekness, goodness, temperance, faith. These are manifested characteristics that the believer, the characteristic quality traits that a believer manifests in their life. We don't all have to get along in the same thing or see everything eye to eye. But we should be able to see these characteristics in one another. You see what I'm saying? I don't have to agree with everything that everybody says, right? And that's okay. But these, the fruits of the Spirit is the evidence that the individual has the incorruptible seed on the inside because they naturally produce those fruits. Okay? And so he said that. But I was thinking about Romans chapter number 6. I got it written down. And what happens after salvation. Now, after conversion takes place... We have no fruit in the former things. Romans chapter number 6 says, For when you were the servants of sin, you were free from righteousness. Being then now made free from sin, you, uh, when you were the servants of sin, you were free from righteousness. Being, down, being now made from sin, you become the servants of righteousness, and you have your fruit unto holiness. 
But then he says, what fruit had ye in those things whereof you are now ashamed? So after salvation, there's nothing that there's nothing that we can glory in, right? I mean, after receiving after receiving Christ, there's nothing that we can glory in in our old life, or or nothing that we can boast of or, or bring any works because we're ashamed of those things. And as a Christian, when a new birth takes place, we should be ashamed of those things. But then, as we keep going, I want to look at verse number nine because I want to preach the text, but I want to make way of application to everybody that's in here. Okay, and I have a purpose for what I'm doing. Not only that, but he says, think not to say within yourselves, we have Abraham to our father. That's the thought for my lesson this morning by way of everybody in here is think not to say within yourselves. The same thing. Now immediately John is the one who goes to address the Pharisees because he knew that the Pharisees were trusting in Abraham and in their own works instead of trusting and acknowledging faith in Christ. And he knew that. He knew that the religious leaders of that day were doing that very thing. And they should have been not on, their trust should not have been in Abraham as a man or an individual. But their trust should have been patterned or modeled after the example of Abraham's faith. Because they, tr- they trusted in Abraham. They didn't exhibit the same faith as Abraham, but they trusted in Abraham. Psalm says it is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in man. They were trusting in their own works instead of acknowledging faith in Christ. That's what the Pharisees were doing. And so John, did, he, he also addressed that, but he corrected the wrongful thinking. They were, they were thinking wrong and trusting in a man instead of trusting in the Lord. Now whenever Jesus addressed them, the Pharisees, in that day and in their day and in their time... He addressed the Pharisees and he said, Whosoever committed sin is the servant of sin. And they said, Well, we've never been in bondage to any man. We're, we be of Abraham's seed. And he said, Whoso, I say unto you, Whosoever committed sin is the servant of sin. And so they were confronted about their, their religious state and not having Christ. And he addressed and he addressed them in that time. And they said, We be Abraham's seed. But Jesus said, If you were Abraham's seed, you would do the works of Abraham. You would believe on me. You would trust in me. You would receive what I'm saying. He said, you don't hear my word because you are not of my sheep. Jesus addressed those people in that time. And and so did John. And they corrected their wrongful thinking. But I think about that. And he says, think not to say within yourselves. Now, here's what I want to do this morning. I want to make application to everybody that's in here. Okay, Immediately, like John, how he, he confronted... The, the religious leaders of his day, okay? And immediately he knew that they were going to think within themselves. And a lot of times whenever uh, you begin to witness to people or testify to people or you go out and you address people and you talk to them about the Lord, about the gospel, there are things immediately that they say within themselves. And I wrote those things down, but I want to I make mention of them this morning because I think we've all done that at some point in our life. So John says to them, even so as I say to you this morning, think not to say within yourself. I want to say first that think not to say within yourself that I'm a good person. Think not to say within yourself, I'm a good person. Whenever a person is confronted about their sinful condition in Adam, they immediately say, well, I'm a good person. I haven't done anything wrong. I mean, after all, I haven't done what you've done, right? I mean, I haven't done what what most people done, right? I mean, 
I, I haven't done that. And the rich young ruler did that. He came up to Jesus and he came running and he came kneeling. And he said, good master, what good thing may I do that I may inherit eternal life? What good can I do or what sufficiency is there in me in order to obtain eternal life? And Jesus, the, the average church in America would have received the, the rich young ruler as a proper candidate for church membership. Number one, he came running and kneeling. So he made a show in front of everybody, and came up and made a show and came running and kneeling. Not only that, but he was good morally. I mean, right? I mean, after all, he said, all these have I kept from my youth up. I mean, I haven't done any of this stuff. I, have, I, haven't, I, haven't, I haven't sinned like that, you know, right? But he, but he says, all these have I kept from my youth up. So Jesus, now Jesus didn't call him a liar. Jesus didn't say you're wrong. He didn't say, no, no, you're not. He said, okay, one thing thou lackest. And in our, in our culture, they would have accepted him, and that would have been sufficient enough. And plus, also, he was a good giver. I mean, he had a lot of money. So not only was he moral, but he was a good giver. So based upon those things, the church down the road would have received him if he just would have raised his hand for Jesus. Right? But our Lord did not do that. Our, our Lord did not, he did not give up a pass, but he said, Okay, one thing that thou lackest. Go and sell all that thou hast. Give to the poor. Take up your cross. And you'll have great treasure in heaven and follow me. And the, he, he went away sorrowful and he did that and he went away sorrowful but he, because he wasn't willing to let go. And most people in our time and in our day are not willing to let go. They're, 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 they're not willing to let go because what they're holding on to is sufficient enough to save themselves. Our people in our society. I'm, I'm using some temperance for sake. Ecclesiastes, I'll read it to you in verse number 7, chapter number 7, or verse number 20. For there is not a just man upon the earth that doeth good and sinneth not. Think not to say within yourselves, I'm a good person. Romans says that as it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. There is none that understandeth. There is none that seeketh after God. They're all together gone out astray. They're all together become unprofitable. That's all of us, right? We're all unprofitable. We are all unclean. I am unclean. And all my righteousness is as a pile of filthy rags. And in 2 Corinthians chapter number 5, verse number 21, For he hath made him, that is Jesus, to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. So God took the, be- the worst of you, and he put it on Christ, and he took the best of Christ, and he put it on you. And he, he attributed the righteousness of Christ... Uh, and, and, and accounted it for you. And now you are just as righteous as Jesus Christ if you've come by way of the cross being crucified with Him. What a wonderful blessing that is. Think not to say within yourselves, I'm a good person. Not only that, but think not to say within yourself, I'm not as bad as some other people are. Now, whenever you talk to people and you tell them about the truths of the gospel, not only do they say, I'm a good person, but they, they say within themselves, I'm not as bad as some other people are. I mean, right? I mean, you haven't you haven't done uh, nearly as maybe someone that's sitting next to you, right? I mean, I have. After all, I haven't committed the sins that they have, right? And that's the wrong that's the wrong perspective to look at things. You know, there were some people that did that in Jesus' day, and the Galileans the the Galileans came up to him, and what they were doing is they were trying to manipulate Jesus, and they were trying to manipulate him by secrecy, and they said. Jesus, look at these Galileans over here. And he said, they have mingled their sacrifices with Pilate's blood. 
And so they took an holy thing and mixed it with an unholy thing and they took it to Jesus and they said, look what they're doing. I mean, look how wicked they are over there. And Jesus said, suppose ye that these Galileans were sinners above all the Galileans, I tell you nay, but except you repent, you shall all likewise perish. And I just, I could just imagine that they're just in total shock that he would, I mean, after all, they didn't do what... They didn't do what other people might have done in their life, right? I mean, so therefore they're better than them, aren't they? No, they're not. Think not to say within yourselves, I'm not as bad as some other people are. Second Corinthians chapter number 12, 10, verse number 12 says, For we dare not make ourselves of the number, or comparing ourselves with some that commend themselves, but they measuring themselves by themselves and comparing themselves among themselves are not wise. Comparing other people. Brother Joe, Bryant, Brother Joe Bryant said that what you got is, is you've got a man with two light poles, two wooden light poles sticking out of his eyes, and he's walking around trying to pull out a splinter out of someone else's eye. He, Jesus said, pull the beam that is in your own eye first, and then thou shalt see clearly to pull the moat that is in thy brother's eye. And that's what we do, don't we? Don't we look at one another and don't, don't we do that? I mean, unintentionally, right? Don't, don't we struggle and battle and fight against that kind of stuff? And Jesus says, worry about that first. Think not to say within yourselves, I'm not as bad as some other people are. Think not to also say within yourself, this is a good one. I'm a member of a Baptist church. I mean, after all, I mean, I'm, not, I'm a good person. I'm not as bad as other people are, and I'm a member of a Baptist church. Right? Think not to say within yourself, I'm a member of a Baptist church. You know who else was a member of a Baptist church? Simon the sorcerer. The scripture said that he believed. It said that he was baptized, and it said that he continued with Philip. I mean, he was, Simon the sorcerer was a member of a Baptist church. Right? But Jesus, but, but, but Jesus, or not Jesus, but Peter addressed him. He thought, Simon the sorcerer thought that the gift of God might be purchased with money. And every time I think about Simon the sorcerer, you know who I think about? I think about Bible college graduates. That's totally foreign, isn't it? Because they think that the gift of God can be purchased with money. You know, after all, if I just finish this little curriculum and then get done, I'll get sent out and after everything will be okay, right? That's what Simon, the Simon's, that was the motive of Simon the sorcerer. He thought if he just finished his curriculum real quick, he could purchase the gift of God with money and then be sent on his way. Because after all, he, he, he manifested himself like he was some great one. But, Je- or, but not Jesus, but Peter looked right at Simon and he didn't say, Simon, that's all right. Simon is good. Simon, I'll take you how you are. I'll take you how you are. Because after all, I can use that to, to boost my own ego and add more to the church. And, and I could do more of that. I could use you to get more of what I... Peter didn't do that. But he said, Simon, he looked at Simon and he said, For I perceive that thou art in the gale of bitterness and in the bond of iniquity. For thou hast thought that the gift of God could be purchased with money. So he looked at him and he said, I perceive that thy heart is not right in the sight of God. He said, Thou hast neither part nor lot in this matter. So what Simon, what he did, what Peter did to him is he looked at Simon and he said, Simon, you're lost and you don't have any part or lot in this matter. Simon the sorcerer was a member of a Baptist church. And I want to mention several things of what salvation is not. Salvation is not in church membership. Okay, Salvation is not you getting baptized in water and becoming a member of the church uh, by way of, of without apart from the regenerating work of the new birth, which is done in Christ. Okay, salvation is, is not in church membership. Baptism does nothing for the flesh, 
but it's an answer of a good conscience towards God that an inward work it's an inward it's an outward sign of an inward reality uh, that's what happened to to your life if you got saved it's an inward sign of an out, it's an outward sign of an inward reality that takes place in your life okay but I want to read this because I wrote it down, but I want to make sure I get it right. Salvation is not in church membership. John, John could have let the Pharisees in. He could have let them slide. He could have said, okay, well, you know, I mean, after all, you're dressed nice. You look nice. You can quote a whole bunch of Bible verses. After all, you got a big part of the law memorized. I mean, you're good morally. I mean, what, what more can an individual want? But the, their inward part were full of dead men's bones. They, 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 they did not have faith, the faith that they claimed to cling on to. Someone said it the other day, and I like it. He said, regeneration or religion without regeneration leads to reprobation. Cleaning up the outside before the inside has a work done in it. It's, It's deceptive to people. And people are put under pressure by preachers to make a false profession because so they can add to their numbers and be popular among other people in other meetings in the community. And that, that, that is what society does today. So I have a good friend of mine who about every 30 at 6.30, every morning, 6.30 in the morning, he sends me videos and pictures of a church who baptized 20 that day. Sunday they baptized 20, 6 were baptized, 20 were saved and all that stuff. All that is is just a religious show in the flesh. Think not to say within yourself, I'm a member of a Baptist church. Now i got one more thing and then I think I'll be through because I want to make sure I'm conscious by way of time. But think not to say within yourself, what will other people think of me if they find out that I'm lost? What, what will they think of me if they find out that after all this time, I have put up this big show? I have told everybody I'm saved. They believe that I'm saved. I go to church every Sunday. I go to church every Wednesday. Sunday night, Wednesday night, and Sunday morning. I go to church all the time. What will they think of me if, if they find out that I'm not saved? What, what will happen? I mean, after all, because what matters is what you think of me, right? No, that, that, that's not what matters. What matters is that you receive the truths of God's word. It doesn't matter what, what other people, what will people think of me? I've built up this good testimony. I've said that I've been saved for years, but there's no fruit unto perfection. There, there, there's no manifested fruit there on the branch. It is a dead branch. You know, that woman that was, there was, Jesus is around, there's a multitude of people. Now, we're talking about John the Baptist addressing people, but I'm making by way of application to everybody that's in here. There's none exempt from what I'm saying this morning. Think not to say within yourselves. Think not to say within yourself, but by way of application, what will other people think of me if I'm lost? Jesus is around here, and there's a multitude of people. And there is a woman that is around that has an issue of blood. And she's done everything. She, she, she's, she's done everything. She's tried the physicians. She's tried everything. She's, she's went to this church. She's went to that church. She's tried this religion. She's tried this Bible. She's tried that Bible. She's, she's done all the imaginable that you can think to do in her life. She's tried everything. It's been 12 years. She still has the issue of blood. Now, according to that Mosaic law, she was, she was to remain separated. So not only was she, she, she was among people, touching other people, which she should not have done... But not only did she have a condition, but she was a condemned sinner. She was a lawbreaker. She, she, she had broken God's law by way of just, ever, just being around a multitude of people. 
But she didn't say within herself, what, what will they do? You know, I mean, what will they do if they find, what will they do if they, if they, everyone finds out that I have an issue of blood? I mean, what are they going to do? I mean, after all, if I just don't say anything, nobody will know about it, right? If I don't, if I don't say anything, if I don't mention it, I mean, she could have just continued on in her, in her, uh, her sinful condition and not ask the Lord, but she didn't say, what will other people think if I reach out and touch the hem of his garment? They'll know that I have a problem. But she didn't do that. She said within herself, if I may but touch the hem of his garment, I shall be made whole. She didn't say, what are they going to think of me whenever I try to touch his garment and I fall down? I mean, and in salvation, a lot of times that's, that hinders people is they're too worried about what other people think. They're too worried about, well, what will they think? I've got a good testimony. It's built up. I've been saved for 30 years on my own righteousness. And if I say that I'm not saved today, if I make the acknowledgement that I'm not really born again and that I don't really have to get to salvation, what will they think of me? Think not to say within yourselves, what will they do or think of me if I'm lost? Not only that, but blind Bartimaeus did the same exact thing. He was blind. Jesus is passing his way. Here comes the Lord. He's passing His way. And it's His last time going through Jericho. Our Lord's not fixing to go through Jericho. He's only went to Jericho once. He's only went to Calvary once. He's not going to go by by way of Calvary again. And so our Lord is passing through Jericho. Okay? We're talking about think not to say within ourselves. Our Lord is passing through Jericho. And blind Bartimaeus can't see. I mean, right? He's blind. He, he can't see. I mean, that, that is his, 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 his physical problem is that he cannot see. And so you have a blind guy here, but he hears the commotion and the cheering and the chattering and the yelling that, that Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. Jesus is headed towards Calvary. He's making his way to the cross uh, in which he died and got hung upon uh, for you and I. But he's on his way to the cross and there's commotion, there's chatter. People are yelling, here's the Messiah. Here is the one who's going to come to deliver Israel. And blind Bartimaeus hears him on the outside. Now he can't see. He's a, he, he represents the type of the lost sinner who's dead in trespasses and sins that are blinded and alienated through the ignorance of God. Uh, and they're blinded by that, as Ephesians says. In whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds, of the, lest they should see the light of the glorious gospel of Christ should shine unto them, and then they should believe. And so blind Bartimaeus is right here, and he hears Jesus is coming this way. But it says, thou Jesus, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. He, he cries out and says, have, have mercy on me. He, you know, he didn't say, well, you know, I, 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 if, if, I, if I say, I mean, everybody already knew he was blind, right? I mean, they could tell. They could tell that blind Bartimaeus was blind. I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't nothing that was, it was difficult to, to see, right? But what I'm saying is he did not say within himself, what will everyone think if I cry out to him? Do we all understand it this morning? And I'm saying that John addressed these people. He said, think not to say within yourselves. I want to say the same thing to everybody that's here in this room. What a wonderful privilege that we have that God's Word has been preserved for us. The the inspired Word of God is preserved here for us. And this morning, you have the ability to receive the Word of God today. Or you have the ability to reject it. That's your free choice. But John, he told them that. He confirmed false religion. He commanded fruits of repentance and he corrected the wrongful thinking. And John addressed that. The think not to say within yourselves. What will other people think of me if I'm lost? What will they think? 
Because after all, that's what matters the most, right, is what other people think. Uh, I speak as a fool. So what I'm saying is this morning whenever I look at this text, I see several things that John did. Now in verse number 10, and now the axe is laid unto the root of the tree. Is the tree bearing fruit this morning? After the examination, can you examine your life? Can you examine your life this morning and say that the tree is bearing fruit? That there's fruit on the branch? You know, Jesus said in John chapter 15, Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself. No more can ye, except ye abide in me. I'm the vine, and my father is the husbandman. Now, can you say that this morning as a Christian, as you, you introspectively look inside yourself, that that there is fruit on the inside. Can you say that with clear conscience? Paul said that I, uh, the God and my fathers of whom I serve, serving with clear conscience. He had a clear conscience about his service and his testimony. Now, can we say that today as Christians? We want lost people to be saved, don't we? We want lost people to be saved. I mean, we want people to come to Christ and to know the God in whom has delivered us. Well, what about us? What about the fruit in our life? Are we manifesting characteristics of joy? And, and peace and loving one another? Is that a manifested characteristic that we're, that we're doing? Right? And so I think about John, and he says, Now the axe is laid on the root of the tree. This morning we're laying the axe to the root of the tree. Therefore every tree which bringeth not forth good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. As a member of the church, I want you to, I want you to bear fruit. I want you to have good fruit. I want you to have good fruit and, and, and to receive what God would have for you today. In the service, this morning, I, I, I humbly entreat you and I urge you to receive God's word with meekness. I, I, I entreat you humbly. Receive, re, by faith, lay hold upon Jesus. By faith, believe in His sacrificial death on Calvary's cross. By faith, lay hold upon the Son of God who shed His precious blood for you on Calvary's cross. Peter says that he, he bare our sins in his own body on the tree, that we, being dead to sins, should live in righteousness by whose stripes you were healed. So think not to say within yourselves, the ministry of John the Baptist. What a blessing the ministry of John the Baptist is, isn't it? What a privilege and honor that we have to be here today. Let's prepare our hearts for the services, the remainder of the services. Let's prepare our hearts. Let's get, let's get ready. Let's break up that ground and be, be preparing our hearts to be receptive to the message this morning. Let's pray, and we'll be dismissed from our classes. Our Father, we do thank you for your love and your care. We pray that you'd help us this morning. Please give the minister the message that you would have for us to receive, that you would help us, Lord, to receive it with ready hearts, and that that seed might be planted in the ground. Lord, help us not to think within ourselves our righteousness is sufficient of ourselves. Lord, the feebleness of the man that declared the message, Lord, you know he is weak. We pray that you'd help these people that are here today and that they might receive a blessing that only you can give. We pray that you touch their hearts, Lord. We do ask in Jesus' name.